0: Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation on finding joy in all things with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Participating in our conversation is Father Joe Lingan, who is on staff at Ignatius House, and Kathy Spornick, our dear friend and former director of development at Ignatius House. Our topic this evening is finding joy in the midst of grief. As a minister, I have accompanied those in grief, and perhaps you have too. But things are different when we find ourselves in the midst of our own grief of a significant loss, of a loved one, a life expectation, and even a job. Kathy is going to take the lead with some of her own remarks from her own experience, But I've asked Joe to first open us with a prayer.
1: Thank you, Andy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, your love brings us to birth. Your providence guides our life and your command. We return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change, but do not end. We pray and hope for our friends and loved ones who have died. We pray in gratitude for the gift that was their life and the gift of their love and friendship, which endures. In company with Christ, who died and now lives, may our departed loved ones rejoice in your kingdom, where all our grief will be believed. Unite us together again in one family to offer you our praise forever. Amen
2: amen Kathy thanks father Joe hi everyone Uh, it's really good to be with you tonight Uh, thank you especially to Maria for the invitation to um, to come share with you Um, if you recognize my name at Andy's introduction you might also remember that while I was at Ignatius house my husband Chuck died very suddenly one evening while he was out with our son, Nicholas. Um, Tonight's topic is joy, but I thought it might be helpful to you if I just shared a little bit about my grief journey. might make my comments about joy make a little more sense. Um, Chuck and I were married for 36 years. It was a beautiful, messy, exquisite Lovely marriage. We have two children, Nicholas and Anna, both grown. Um, We had a lot of plans. Um, He had just uh, retired from Emory after 30-plus years, and our big celebration of that was a trip to Italy. Um, Little did we know when we came home that we would only have eight short months together. Um, We had just returned in May of 2018 from celebrating Nicholas's graduation from medical school. and it was just like any other day. I went to work. I uh, said, "Have fun tonight. He was going out to a game with Nick. I love you, and I never saw him again. He died from a heart attack that night. It was just not supposed to happen. For those of you who, who knew me, who knew Chuck, he was annoyingly healthy. Um, I never thought he would predecease me. And I'm sure the shock and the suddenness of it added to my grief. It really felt like I was being ripped apart. And the last two years have been pretty excruciating at times. Um, Those of you on this call or listening even later, you know, if you've lost someone you love, what that pain of of grief is. But I, I was completely unprepared for the intensity of it, for um, just the, the strength of the grief. I felt pretty crippled and raw most of the time. Um, but I, I functioned really well, but I was still really hurting. Um, I can tell you that through it all, though, um, I do remember just this extreme closeness to God. It was constant. I, I really felt like there was the sheer force of the grief and the pain um, created this pathway right into um, divine presence, and um, I felt Chuck's presence with me all the time, and I and I think that was evidenced by our love for one another. You know, we we had done everything right, if you will. Um, we had become one uh, in our marriage, and I had a hard time in the beginning reconciling how God would you know make us one. And then require us to be separated. Um, I think I've come to understand that what is forged in God's spirit remains. Um, The grief, though, and the searing pain of it went on for really the first year. Um, And then I started to see these little glimmers of joy and happiness. And I can tell you that I was not ready for that. I really... I wouldn't allow myself to give in to it. I just wasn't ready. It didn't seem right to me in many ways. Um, And and trust me when I say there is no right or wrong way to grieve, and and I'm not suggesting there is. I'm just trying to express my own experience of the things I felt and, and thought. But God held me very close through all this, and I felt like I was in the recesses of God's heart. I felt very safe to allow the fullness of the grief to come into my life. As then I look back now, you know, there were subtle and very gentle nudges of joy, of invitations to it. um, And my head was shaking no. Um, I now see that I just wasn't ready. So each time joy presented itself to me and I said, you know, not yet. Um, I still felt held in God's arms. I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. Um, But it does seem like I just needed time. So this whole idea, this new phase of grief with these glimmers of joy popping into my life, were really affirmed by a remarkable homily that was given to us by Father Tim at St. Thomas More on Easter Sunday. Um, Father Tim quoted St. John of the Cross's words, Where there is no love, put love and you will draw out love. Now, Father Tim substituted the word joy for love. And he said that when um, when you've been in a period of time, a long period of time of suffering, of despair, of misery, that it just takes time to allow joy to come back into your life. Now, he was speaking, of course, about Um, The pandemic and the lockdown and the great losses people are having. But for me, the message was God calling me again to joy. Um, I don't think there is any clock or timeline for grieving or for allowing joy back. But for me, remaining open to this possibility gave me some hope. So Father Tim even used the words that we were invited into the possibility of empowering joy. And um, this really blew things open for me because I had never thought of joy as power or empowering. I had always thought of joy as a happiness, a comfort, a divine invitation, but never power. So I began to pay very close attention to this. My Ignatian formation, um, you know, really teaches me to to, um, be very attentive to these things that shimmer, that catch my heart's attention. And I began to pray um, because joy and hope are inextricably joined for me. And I began to pray with these words. I really had a hard time struggling very much in my prayer time with how could I, um, how could I possibly have a joyful or a good or content life Without the love of my life, how could I even form these words that my life could be good without Chuck? Um, I would say grace and mercy prevail and God very gently and with great constancy um, placed these invitations before me. The truth of the matter is that my understanding of joy and my experience of joy are just not the same. You know, what I think joy is and then how I enter into it and experience it are just two different things. So I saw indeed that it takes time. And I know that might sound trite, but it's not. It really does take time to allow joy back. And it doesn't displace the grief or the memory any more than grief displaces love. Um, they're just not mutually exclusive things. And I've recognized the subtlety of joy and understood what it means to allow it back. So it's taking time. Um, I began to pray with how do I put joy, if you will, to St. John of the Cross's words. And I began to ponder some of this in my prayer time. And I asked God to bring it to my memory. Um, And the very first remembrance was creation for me. Being outside, um, the beauty of creation just brings me a great deal of joy. So very intentionally and purposefully, I began doing this um, every day. Of course, sometimes it intensifies the grief and I would weep at the joy uh, because when you have joy, you want to share it. Uh, And so it does, it does, you know, bring some tears. I just didn't think it was possible to have joy. I can't can't even express this enough to you. I did not think it was remotely possible that I would ever have it again. So I tread softly, I would say. Um, I ask for the grace and the mystery of joy to return. I don't try to create it or manufacture it. Um, I I want to see it for what it is, but I really want to be open to where it already exists. Um, I'm very drawn to the scene with Jesus and Thomas where Jesus invites Thomas to put his hands into the wounds, Jesus's wounds in his palms and in his side. And what touches me about this scene is that, first of all, Jesus had visible wounds, and even after only a few days after his crucifixion, he didn't feel any pain anymore. And so, because who would invite someone to touch a wound so fresh and so raw if it was going to cause additional pain? And so I would say the wounds of my grief are definitely um, part of my story. As time progresses, though, um, they just don't cause me as much pain as they did in the beginning. And I've really begun to wonder in my prayer time if joy and hope are actually the balm to soothe the wounds of grief. Um, Even though it felt very odd to be reaching out to joy when I was hurting, but I do think this is the reason why Jesus continues to call me to allow it to come back into my life. Those who know me um, know that the wounds are there. Um, They certainly know that they have transformed me and changed me. But um, but part of my story now. And, um, you know, I'll be around here for a bit. So to ask questions or comments. And for now, I'll turn it over to uh, Father Joe.
1: Kathy, thank you. Thank you very much for what you've shared of your story and your experience. I, I'm moved to say first and foremost, and I am so genuinely sorry for your loss. Thank you. You and I met, I know, uh, a couple of years ago now. Yeah. And I did not have the pleasure of meeting your husband. Uh, and in between the time that we actually first met and my return to Atlanta for good uh, to join the staff, unfortunately, Chuck passed away and you and I have had a chance to talk some since then, and and it's been a real privilege, and I thank you very much for your trust. Your openness tonight also makes me aware, and and I think you spoke so beautifully and wisely when you mentioned that that there's no right or wrong way to grieve, and it suggests to me that each death, if you will, is unique, because each person is unique. And like with every story, as you were sharing your experience with Chuck and and I'm sure there are other experiences of death in your life. Uh, for example, your parents. And uh, I'm sure that in hearing your story, other people are reminded of moments in their lives when they've lost a loved one and whatnot. Um, I, you reminded me of this experience that I had when I was a young Jesuit. Um, I encountered a lot of people who had, for example, who had lost parents, and and I tried. To console and express my sincere sympathies. And I, I thought I was being genuine and sincere in that. But it wasn't until I lost my parent, my father first, later my mother, that my expression of condolence, my expression of sympathy became much more real and, and more genuine, more empathetic, if you will, because I had a, a greater sense and appreciation for what people had lost in the death of their parent but you also said something when and uh it sounds like that you reached a point where you were able to give your permission to allow joy to come um and can you say a little bit more about that i mean uh i imagine the suddenness of chuck's passing certainly impacted your grief but to be able to if you will give yourself permission to allow joy to come in, can you can you say a little bit more about what that experience was like for you?
2: Sure, you know um, one of the things that um, I wrote about shortly after Chuck died was that if you are a Christian and believe in the resurrection of all of us, um, you know strap on your skates because when someone lose you lose someone that close to you, um, I had to really decide again: Do I believe Chuck is alive? And so, um, if I believed Chuck was alive, I really began to understand that I understood that through love, that my love for him continued to grow. How could that happen to someone who wasn't living? And I, I began to understand that Chuck was on his own journey of joy and growth in a, in a, in a different realm with God. And that, um, why, why would he want me to stay um, in grief? And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that grieving isn't. It is, it is a transformative experience. I, um, I, I am amazed at what has happened to me. But I began to understand that Chuck and I were on a kind of a sympathetic journey together. And that, um, uh, and that there was freedom in giving into the grief. And that there nothing would be taken from the grief by giving into the joy. In the beginning, I felt a little disloyal. Like, well, how could I be happy when I'm widowed and I'm supposed to be grieving? And it's just not an either-or thing. They coexist. Grief and joy, all. It, oh, God bless you, Mandy. It They all they all coexist. Mm-hmm. And so, I began to give myself permission because. I understood that I was still grieving Chuck's absence, but that it would it would coalesce and it would begin to change. Andy,
0: yes, um, you know, I was I was thinking about during this time where there are a lot of people who um, may be finding themselves in a place of anticipatory grief of a loved one who who may be dying or may be ill. Um, different from your experience because it was sudden but having gone through this experience what advice would you give to someone who who is anticipating entering into that difficult space of of grief
2: um well i i guess i would say um don't anticipate it um it's uh, today is enough and so Whatever, whatever grief you are feeling today, even if, if you're thinking of losing someone, I would say just stay in today. Um, I, I will tell you that the freedom of giving myself fully to the grief, I have a spiritual director. I have many very good friends who are solidly, um, they're just solid people. And I, I went to a grief therapist. I also went to a grief support group at a parish uh, nearby that had one. I reached out because I knew the weight of uh, the, the weight of the grief that I wanted. I wanted someone um, guiding me through, through that experience because it's um, it's intense. It's very intense. And um, and it's a time when I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole. You know um, there's a difference between being depressed and I've, you know, I understand clinical depression, but grief is not depression. Grief is a very natural thing. Jesus wept. He, he experienced grief himself. Mary certainly experienced grief. And so um, I turned to Mary a lot. I turned to Mary Magdalene. I turned to um, a lot. And, and that's, I would encourage people to do that, especially if you're Catholic. Um, it's a rich part of our, our tradition. Um, ask for help. Ask for spiritual help. Um don't be afraid to go to um your parish, ask for spiritual direction, ask for assistance.
0: I appreciated that you earlier talked about how joy is an invitation, and I think that just speaks to something of Ignatian spirituality that, that talks about the freedom that God is always inviting us to, right? That that it's a choice in freedom. Um wh- what 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 would block people from choosing that joy? Is it just, um, it sounded like that you didn't fully know that you could choose that or you weren't ready for that. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, um, I, I mean, like I said, some people listening may not have lost a spouse. Their grief may even be something like a divorce, which I think is very similar to a death or losing a job. Um but for me, I felt disloyal, I, I really did. I remember talking to um, one of my spiritual advisors and I just said, I feel, I f- feel somehow disloyal to Chuck that how can I not be with him and be happy, right? I mean, it didn't, it, and it was just this kind of confusion, I think, or I, I wanna call it a dimness of sight that I did not understand spiritually how these things coexisted. And so when I began to understand that grief and joy can coexist in the human experience. Um, who knows what it's like for Chuck, um, but for me, they can coexist. And um, I gave myself the freedom to fully enter into the grief. And I believe this threshold that I've crossed is still grieving Chuck's absence, but it is also recognizing his presence. And I think recognizing his presence in my life, um, for those of you who've been married or those who have been very close, if you closed your eyes and your spouse walked into the room, you could sense it without knowing, without physically touching that person. I, I um, I sense Chuck in my life. I sense him in the children's lives. And I've grown to recognize him without seeing him. Um, You would think I would have had a lot of practice believing in God since, you know, my early days. But but we become very dependent. Andy, you even shared in one of your recent reflections that we think one thing. And and because we think one thing, when we see something that doesn't match up with what we think it's supposed to be, there's a mismatch. Why Mary Magdalene didn't recognize Jesus, because that wasn't what she thought she would see. Right. Um, And even for those on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize Jesus because they weren't expecting that. And so I've learned to to put my expectations down and give them to God and just ask to be led.
1: You know, I've often thought that if we didn't love, we would never grieve. And. Something you said earlier, Kathy, that that strikes me, and uh, as you made your comment, it it struck me that uh, grief does not take away from your love. Um, And when I say that, what I mean is, and just the way you have shared, it sounds like that your relationship with Chuck has in some ways deepened, or a new dimension of it has been revealed to you Mm -hmm. in this time, not only by virtue of his presence, but, and, and forgive me for being presumptuous in this question, but would you say that your experience has been such that there's been a dynamic of your relationship with Chuck that you now see that that is also a cause of joy for you that perhaps you didn't see before? Now, I hasten to add, no doubt, you would love to have Chuck walk into your living room right now, of <laughs> course, but... Nonetheless, he he is present, in a, but in a very different way. Yeah. And and before you get a chance to answer, there was other a d- dynamic that you mentioned, and that was when it's there's a faith dynamic that you're obviously mentioning, and you you said that you know having to come, if you will, face to face with what you believe uh, about eternal life, and oftentimes that's a subject we don't tend to think about mm-hmm. until, unfortunately, someone has passed away or is about to.
2: Yes. Um, No, it's not presumptuous at all. It's a great question. I I have shared with Maria. I've shared with other friends. I've actually my love for Chuck has grown stronger. And I and so Chuck was Eastern Catholic. Um, Some of you know that he was Byzantine Catholic. We were married in the Byzantine, rite, which was very funny, considering I come from a very Irish Catholic family in Philadelphia who did not understand wearing flowers and jumping around the altar three times. Um, but, but in Eastern theology, Chuck often said the purpose of marriage, of the covenant of marriage, is not just to procreate. It is to assist the person that you have covenanted to to get them to heaven. Um, You know, not meaning heaven is a place, but that is that was our job for one another was to ready the other soul um, for Mm. for that moment um, when we would transition to another realm. And so I feel like, you know, I did a really good job and he still is on the hook. And so um, (laughs) and, and I and so that has brought me kind of joy that if well, if you're right, then you still have to do that for me. Um, there is a, a belief of etern- eternal marriage in Eastern theology, um, not in the sense that Chuck and I are still, you know, married or that you're married in heaven, but that there is something that is that forged in the spirit remains in the spirit. And so, yes, there was something. Um, there was, a, I think, Maria expressed this beautifully. You know, there was Kathy, there was Chuck, and then there was a, something else that was forged. That was Kathy Chuck.
0: I love how you talk about how your relationship with Chuck is still growing. It's still developing. And I find myself, you know, having been married, um, six years now, uh, just like finding myself with fears of, of losing Sarah, you know, but it's just consoling for you to say that, um, the relationship continues, right? You're still, still present to each other in a very real way. I want to share. You
2: know, I, would, I would even say yeah. one more thing because um, people have asked me where, well, you know, you're, you're going to date or, you know, well, how do you feel about, um, you know, another partner? I'm, I'm not really ready to even engage in that conversation, but I can tell you that if, if someone, if someone is married And a spouse dies and they remarry. I just think it's a marriage of three or four people at that point, because the person that I am right now, I was formed by Chuck 36 years. Mm. And so Chuck is dwells within me and always will. And, and if I ever did date or remarry, um, Chuck would be a part of that. And, and so in a spiritual sense, so I, um, I I don't want people to think that I'm saying that, you know, I'm still married to Chuck and I can't. uh, That's not really what I'm getting at. It's just that I really believe Chuck's journey with God continues. Um, My journey with God continues. And because we had been one covenanted in the church through sacramental marriage, that something that was forged there still remains.
0: I want to share a comment, um, uh, by Jerry, um, you've know, been talking about spouses, but uh, she, she shares that when her, um, when her son died, she says there was no denying the grief, grief counseling. She, she went through and she realized one day that she had, um, no joy and needed to find her joy again. She found joy in nature, learned about St. Ignatius and finding God in all things. Um, she says the, the journey is ongoing. Um, And I just I love that concept that you said that, you know, grief does not displace joy, that there's there's something of um, an invitation that God is always
1: inviting us to. Yes. Kathy, you mentioned, you know, in your comments about asking for the grace and the mystery of joy
2: Yes,
1: and the way you described it, which I think was really beautiful to say that in doing so, it isn't denying anything. But then in asking for the grace, it strikes me, too, that um, you don't just ask and then sit back and wait. Yeah. You know, you, you have to be open. You have to be receptive and, dare I say, attentive. Yes. You know, uh for example, you were talking about how it's hard to explain what joy is, but you know it when you feel it. Yeah. Um, and being attentive, I think, is a very important element in terms of knowing joy and yeah. experiencing it. So if, for example, if you were to ask for the grace, and uh, I think it's important that we dispose ourselves to being open to, to that which may, without even any prior knowledge or whatever, bring us a certain joy, Yes. even in the midst of the grief.
2: And the thought of that joy being empowering and a balm to my wounds was really um, a really powerful um thing that was given to me in prayer i brought a quote by the way from mary oliver who recently passed away many of you who like poetry would like this if you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy don't hesitate give into it
0: thank you yeah mary oliver is a great go-to on that note um there's a question uh, from Sarah, who just so happens to be my wife, uh, she she's asking Kathy um, if there've been any um, books that have been uh, good companions on your um, on your journey in
2: grief. Oh yes, many. Um, and it's funny when when Father Joe was talking about your um, condolences became a little more genuine. There were some books that weren't so helpful and you know what, if you start reading a book and it doesn't resonate with you, just put it down. Um, But uh, Cynthia Bourgeau's book, um, Love is Stronger Than Death, really had a great impact on me. Um, And then oddly, um, John O'Donohue is one of my all-time favorite writers, poets. He wrote a book called Beauty. I believe I'm going to mess up the title. I think it's Beauty, the Invisible Embrace. Um, And he speaks eloquently in that book about many things, but about the beauty of death. Um, And he in his beautiful Irish lilt um, explains why there's a beauty in that. And um, boy, I struggled with those words at first. But I would tell you that um, um, crossing the threshold of believing that my grief ends, begins and ends on this earth and that the pain is human only and um and that there is just no end to it and that i'm alone in it crossing that threshold of believing that it is um something that god pulls us closer into his heart with changed that for me those were two very good books and if i could add just a final thought um one of the things I love about Ignatius is, is the word memory in the Sushipe, Um, I would encourage people, you know, you have a legacy of joyful moments in your life. Um, I began to sit down and document them. Uh, and they were very short. Some of the moments were just remembering being in a field of sunflowers one day. And I knew God in that moment. Um, go back to your memory of joyful moments. Just, just remember. Remember them and then be open to them being present in your life again.
1: Thank you, Andy. And thank you again, Kathy. Thank you for your trust and your transparency. It's really been beautiful to be a part of this conversation. You also, I think, very effectively help us to recognize that it's important to be attentive to your grief, to be honest, to acknowledge it. Not to deny it, but at the same time, not be consumed by it Mm -hmm. and uh, that it really is a product. I think very much so of love and it can generate a genuine sense of empathy and compassion and appreciation, the depth of which perhaps only grief can bring about.
0: Thank you, Kathy, Father Joe. All of you uh, listening this evening, this has been uh, just a, a, a heart-heartening a conversation. Um, we thank you all again for joining us um, and to invite you back to join us next week. when Father Peter Fink will be back to join us along with our Director of Communication and Development, Tara LaBeouf, as we discuss find, finding joy in nature. Keep connected to all our upcoming offerings, virtual and in-person IgnatiusHouse.org or like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Be well and have a good night. Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at IgnatiusHouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always.